Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Sunday morning the 12th, right? 13th. 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 Okay. Um, we've been talking about how you see yourself. Um... Because <clears throat> I think that most of us just look in the mirror and see this regular, normal person that doesn't look very distinguished compared to anybody else, just just regular. And we be, when you walk out the door, at least for me, you get that last look. And then based on what you saw, you walk out the door with that attitude. If it's a bad hair day, look out. But... <clears throat> we need to start seeing ourselves as way more than that. Um, what you see with your physical eyes in the mirror is not at all the truth of what God says about us. So first of all, he says, we're made in his image and in his likeness. So when you look at yourself in the mirror, you go, I'm in his image and in his likeness. You know, I'm not just an ordinary creature, like every other living creature on the planet. I'm a human being. I'm in his image and in his likeness. And then because we are born again, we are covered in his glory. Now you and I with our physical eyes cannot see the glory. We can see the reflection of that glory. I'll, I'll sign it last. We can see the reflection of that glory um, in somebody's face. You can usually look at somebody who's spirit-filled, born again, and know it. You just have that sense. <clears throat> Even people who are unsaved can look at a saved person and see it on their face, that glory. So we are covered in the glory of God. In the spirit realm, we look entirely different than we do in the material. And because we have our existence across many dimensions, we have to realize that we this is a material look. But we have another look in the spirit realm. And the look in the spirit realm is, is that we are crowned in His glory. Brilliant light beings from our head to our toes. The only thing that hasn't been finished for us is our bodies. Our bodies one day are going to be transformed into those glorious light beings. But right now our spirit already is. It's the down payment of what's to come. And then the third thing is this. We are a royal priesthood. We have a dominion. And I know we don't look at ourselves like that. I think we look at ourselves as having authority over certain things. But there's a difference in just having authority over things and, and ruling and reigning with a dominion. We don't think of ourselves as being rulers. You know, we stay ahead of things. You don't wait and react, which is what we do. 
Oops, here comes the devil again. We have dominion. We should be able to keep him away. We have authority. And not only away from ourselves, but we have dominion over everything around us. Now you and I can't <coughs> control human beings because everybody, even God can't control human beings because He's given us all free will. And He can't go against Himself. But we can control the influences behind a human being. And we have power and authority um, by our spoken word and by operating in the spiritual laws that exist. Um, whether we know it or not, we're operating in those spiritual laws anyway. We just do. And um, <clears throat> so um, we need to learn how to take that dominion and, and, and rule and reign here. Um, thwart the enemy before he gets started. More and more and more, you know, on the internet and on the news and everywhere else, um, you know, we're we're um, talking about this country becoming godless, and you know, we're just running downhill, which is true. And um, even on Christian TV, they give the devil too much credit. I park that at the feet of the church because we have not taken our dominion. We have not ruled and reigned. We have allowed the enemy to encroach in this country. We've allowed the enemy to encroach in our communities because we don't lift up the name of Jesus. Because we're not we're not as concerned about taking territory as the enemy is. Um <clears throat> If it doesn't affect us directly, so what? But we're not so much concerned about taking territory. And we should be. Because the enemy is. By and territory, do you mean <clears throat> souls? I do. I do. People. That's right. Around us. That's right. And um, not just human, not, not just souls and spirits, but I'm just talking about all of creation. You know, taking dominion and authority so that an area where you live is governed by the living God. And um, your workplace, your um, every, you know, every place where you go. Um, we're talking about how churches look so much like the world. People sitting in our churches don't hear about sin anymore. Um, fornication and adultery and all those things. People sitting in our churches all the time doing those things. And worse. You know, I mean, you think you've heard everything and then you hear, we have a key club in Bedford County and a lot of people in our church, not a lot, but there are people in our church that are members of that. Get together on a weekend and swap house keys. Come on. You know, but they sit in our church pews on Sunday morning. What is that? We, we're wallowing in the stock, a lot of it. And um, we just, we aren't standing up to it. We aren't. And um, the ACLU is coming after every Christian group. 
everybody that wants to bow in and pray on a football field, everybody that wants to have a Christian club on a campus, and we're all going, oh, we've been told we can't do it. I'm going, as long as I taught school, I pray. Every day I pray. Nobody in the entire universe can stop you from praying. You may not be able to do it so that they see you do it. You know. But you can pray anywhere you are. You know. And um, you can pray on the sidelines. You can still get together with your football players and pray. You can do those things. And nobody can stop you. But we just get intimidated by the enemy and we just fold up in fear. And that's the spirit of Jezebel. Talk about spiritual influence. The spirit of Jezebel is um, rank and rife. Um, it's a spirit of intimidation. It is a spirit of um, um, self-will, self-importance. Um, it is a spirit of... Um, well, if you think about her, think about Jezebel and what drove her. She worshipped pagan gods. Anybody she didn't like, she killed. She threatened, she killed, she tortured, she maimed. She was a horrific woman. We always think about her as being an overly sexual being, but that's really not what her personality was. She was just pure evil, bad to the bone. Evil. And we see that same spirit of Jezebel threatening and intimidating and shoving down the throats of everybody, somebody else's beliefs. You see it everywhere. Did you? There's this beautiful <coughs> commercial, and it's a city, I can't remember who, but they sing, a children's group sing, Let There Be Peace on Earth. Mm -hmm. And there's a line with God as our Father, brothers, all we will be. Mm -hmm. They changed that line. Yeah. They took that line out of right. a published song. Right. Right. But I, but I fault us more than the world. The world is going to act like the world because they're dark. You can't expect anything different. We should be standing up. We ought to be the ACLU, you know, the Christian leadership. That's, we ought to be standing up. And um, we, we aren't. And um, so we need to um, be, become more aware of who we are. We have dominion over that demonic foolishness. You know, and, and we need to be standing up. You know, if somebody says you can't pray, that's when you pray harder. They cannot stop us from praying. They cannot stop us from sharing the gospel. You just do it harder. Every time the enemy says something, you go at him harder. And stop being intimidated. That's what the church is. We are intimidated. And I think that's one reason we're losing members and hemorrhaging. Because we allow these groups. I just got another note from the uh, confessing movement. <clears throat> God bless the Africans. Um, the African Methodists. They sent a letter to the conference saying, to the national conference, saying, you know, as long as there's breath in us, we are standing up against anything that goes contrary to the Word of God. 
And so the liberals are going to have a hard road to hoe at this next conference. But not because of the Americans, but because of the Africans. God bless them. But they're standing up. Over here, we just lay down and roll over. You know, we just lay down and roll over. And um, it's not this table. I'm not yelling at you, but it's the church proper. You know, uh, John Wesley would be heart sick if he saw the condition of the church like it is now. He would be heart sick. And um, it's because we don't see ourselves as God has made us to be. And we don't take the role that God has meant for us to take. I mean, we, we read the end of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Go into all the world. Make disciples. But then we go, well, yeah, but that's somebody else's job. You know, that's somebody else's job, not my job. You know, I, I, I don't have to do that one. Because that's not my gift. And um, I'm going, no, it isn't your gift. It's your calling. And we're all called to do that. And... Um, we need to be standing up and we need to be bolder. We need to start recognizing, you know, when this demonic spirit comes close to us, what to do about it. We need to take authority. Um, and then the last thing is, is we have our existence in heavenly places. Meaning, <clears throat> we don't just live in a material realm where, where there are also dimensions here. Conscious and subconscious, etc. But, but we also live in dimensions across the immaterial world. Okay, multiple dimensions. Now we can see with our material eyes, but we start. We need to start seeing with our with our um, mind's eyes, with the eyes of our imagination, because there are things that go on that we need to see, that we need to be aware of. And um, I shared with you last week about that. I was just, you know, I prayed with a woman. And I was just sitting in church. And um, I looked over at her. And I could see in the spirit realm this little demon imp riding on the back of her neck. Just riding on the back of her neck. Claws in her head, claws in her back, just riding. And... Um, <clears throat> I have the authority to bind that little thing. I don't have the authority to get rid of it unless the woman has permission, you know, has given permission for it to go. Sometimes we we invite things in without even knowing it. And if they're there legally because they were invited, they don't have to go until the person that's walking around with them says go. And that's Christians and non-Christians alike. So we need to start seeing across dimensions um, and understanding that we are not just a material being. Can we, can we bind this? Uh, you bet you can. Without the permission of the yes, person? Yes, you bet you can. You bet you can. Whatever you declare bound in the earth realm is bound in the spirit already. And you absolutely can bind that spirit. Sometimes you you can get it off of them. Sometimes you can get it off of them. But not always. Okay? Now, I don't want you going to look for demons and doorknobs again. Okay? But I want you to know that it's real. 
and that we have to be able to see across dimensions. You see those things in your mind's eye, not in your, um, um, not with your material eyes, okay? Flashes, pictures, things that, you know, that you normally wouldn't see. And, um, and you need to trust those things. You need to begin to trust them. And, um, I don't know if I'm supposed to share this or not. Maybe not. So. Okay. Maybe not. It just keeps coming to my mind here. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Lord, if I'm supposed to, let me know. But um, we have to begin to see ourselves existing in heavenly places. Over and over again, go to Ephesians, the book of Ephesians. Over and over again in the book of Ephesians, Paul refers to it in the plural. What chapter was that, Sandy? Start with Ephesians 1. Verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. It's a plural. It is um, epuranios. Okay, it's spheres of spiritual spheres of spiritual activities in heavenly realms, angelic and demonic, heavenly places, according as He has chosen us in Him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. So we were chosen in Him before the foundations of the world. He has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. If you're not cognizant of heavenly places, how can you access spiritual blessings in those heavenly places? You have to be cognizant. Go to chapter 2, verse 1. And you has he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins where in times past you walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of the mind and were by nature the children of wrath even as others but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us even when we were dead in sins has he quickened us together with Christ by grace you were saved and he has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus in other words he has given us a position 
in heavenly places. Okay, not just seated at the right hand of the Father, but in heavenly places. That's across dimensions, okay? That in, and why did He do that? So that in the ages to come, He might show the exceeding riches of His grace <clears throat> in His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. <clears throat> For grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. <clears throat> he intends to use us to show the world. How does that happen? The grace and the goodness of God must manifest itself through us to a material world. And if you're not accessing the blessings through us to a material world, what is it? You know? It doesn't show up. Alright, go to chapter 3. <clears throat> Start with verse 4. Whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. That mystery of Christ is Christ in us. The, the hope of glory, okay? That's the mystery. Which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men as it is now revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. That the Gentiles should be four fellow heirs of the same and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of grace of God given to me by the effectual working of his power. Unto me, whom am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which is from the beginning of the world, hath been hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ to the intent that now under the principalities and powers in the heavenly places <clears throat> might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God look at verse 10 again so why, why was it hid in Christ? to the intent that now under the principles and principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. We should be the revelation to this to the principalities and powers in the spiritual realms whether they are God's angels or Satan's angels we should be making known to them Christ in us the hope of glory in other words they ought to get the revelation that you and I are glorious light beings we are little Christians little anointed ones we are the body of Christ in the earth and that is a revelation to them. 
And as long as they can keep you from knowing that in the heavenly places, they can continue to wreak havoc on everybody. Flip to Ephesians 6. For we wrestle not, verse 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. You and I are not to be dealing with human beings because there's no point in it. But we have authority to deal with, in a deadly fashion, those spirits that drive human flesh to do evil things. Sometimes it's just flesh. But I guarantee that the thoughts came from some demonic source. And if you're looking at the way things are playing out in the Middle East now, you can't deny that it's purely demonic. It's purely evil. And um, so we need to understand what we look like, who we are, that we have dominion and authority, and that we have our existence in heavenly places, not just in this realm, but we exist across realms. Jesus had no problem speaking to the demons. He recognized them right away, and not only that, but they recognized him. But he also had no problem seeing the angels. He had no problem uh, being ministered to by angels in, uh, in Gethsemane, you know, or the 40 days in the desert, in the wilderness, when he was ministered to by angels. But he was also tempted by Satan. He saw Satan. Where did he see him? In the spirit realm. Satan doesn't have a body. He's a disembodied spirit. But Jesus saw him and wrestled with him. Kicked his rear end, by the way. But um, he understood that we exist across dimensions. And so we need to do the same. Peter, James, and John understood the same thing. Um, they had plenty of encounters with angels. Um, you know, when Peter and John were in the prison, the angel came and undid their chains and walked them right out of there. Blinded the eyes of the guards and walked them out. Had no trouble with that. Um, yeah. When you say dimensions, can you can you give us examples of what are some different dimensions? I think. Okay, um, <clears throat> there are like um, 
Okay, in the material realm, you have, of course, this this material realm. You have a conscious dimension. There's a subconscious dimension. All of those dimensions, and um, physicists will tell you there are 19, at least 19 dimensions in the material realm. I don't even know what they are. But in the spirit realm, across dimensions, you have just to, you know, just to give you the big broad deal from scripture, you have um, layers of hell. You have the upper regions of hell, which was Abraham's bosom. Then you have um, purgatory, or the place where souls are kept until they're judged. Then you have the lake of fire. Plus you have the heavenly realms. You have um, those spirit realms that um, men can see into. You can see into the throne room. We're going to talk about this one day. You can see into um, other heavenly realms. If you start, like if you're reading books, um, Heaven is Real. <clears throat> and then John Piper's book, 90 Minutes in Heaven. In, in Heaven's For Real, that little four-year-old child refers to John Piper. But he doesn't know who he is. He just knows he's a guy that never came inside the gates you know, into the heavenly city. This young man went into the heavenly city, but John Piper never went into the heavenly city. He never went through the gates. He remained outside the gates. Um, there is, um, there are dimensions when it comes to the presence of God. You know, we have the dimension where we are in the very presence of God. But if we turn away from the presence of God, there is that dimension of our own spiritual self, you know. So, um, we just have access to it all, you know. We have access to those areas. Um, principalities and powers in heavenly places. We don't have authority beyond this realm that you know this defined realm this material realm is ours and any spiritual activity behind it good or bad that's in our realm but there are spirit beings in other dimensions like um, in Daniel when it spoke about the prince of Grisha and the prince of Persia that were fighting to keep Gabriel from getting to Daniel and Michael came there's great warfare in the heavenlies. Multiple places in the heavenlies where there's great warfare that goes on. And the warfare <coughs> deals directly with what's going on in this material realm. But um, you and I don't have authority up there. You know, our authority is here. Years ago, when um, in the 70s, when warfare got to be an all time fever pitch thing, you know, we go through seasons of stuff. And um, Christians were making these big spiritual maps and trying to determine what demonic spirit was over these different regions of the, of the earth. And then they were going to go and attack those demonic strongholds but um, 
it ended up back backfiring on them. Um, <clears throat> like um, uh, one of the books that I read about it was said it was like shooting arrows straight up. What's going to happen to the arrows? They're going to come down on your head. So that's not our realm, but it's been clearly defined what our realm is. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. And if you want to see how far our realm goes, watch Jesus. He dealt with the spirit realm all the time. Whether he was praying and talking with the Father, whether he was casting out demons, loosing women or men who were oppressed of the devil, um, he, he did it within this realm because that was the dominion of mankind. He didn't worry about the demon spirit over Rome. He didn't worry about that. He just took care of this area right here. And he preached the gospel in a tiny little area there in Israel. That's all he did. For three years. And it turned the world upside down. You and I have the same capability. The 120 came out of that room and the gospel went all over the known world in no time at all and turned the whole world upside down. 120 people, come on. Um, but it was because they understood their authority because they were taught about it, you know, and they weren't comfortable. And I think that's the worst thing. I mean, I love comfort. I love being comfortable. But I think comfort is the destroyer of the church. We just get fat and happy and then we get lukewarm. Because we don't need him. We don't sense his presence as much. We're not as hungry for it. <clears throat> we don't want to walk in it as much. It's too much energy, too much effort. And... Um, in America, I think it's been the worst thing for the church, the comfort. We're just comfortable, so we allow everything. You know, it's not bothering me, whatever. Um, but it ought to bother us. It ought to bother us a lot. Okay, excuse me. I don't know if I've got it I haven't shared this with anybody. It's like depressing. But um, this is on August 8th, 2013. Okay. <clears throat> I had this flash vision. You know, of, that, of the scientific picture of a human body, you know, with the arms out like this. You know, just that body outline, kind of turning around, spinning around like that. And then this is what the Lord said. America is a cancerous body with the prognosis of death over it. The cancer is invaded from outside and it rises from the inside and it's spreading rapidly and attacking and perverting every young cell that the body produces. Every organ is affected. You ask, how did it happen to such a strong and vital body? The cancer was ingested repeatedly and tolerated as if nothing could harm it. 
It was death breathed in like asbestos. It was death eaten like poisoned fruit. In ignorance, willful, the body continued to destroy itself knowing the risk but scoffing in pride, not me. The heart couldn't stop the mind and the mouth. The heart couldn't stop the lungs. The heart beats on while the body dies. The cancer took root and spread quickly through the lifeblood to every organ. But even with the painful warnings, it continues to fill itself with the very cancers that kill it. In any cancerous body, there is healthy tissue that's not affected by the cancer. But the body dies anyway. Is there any treatment? Any hope? There is. But the treatment is drastic and it would be repulsive to this body. The surgery would be debilitating to the body as it is now. This body can't see past the torment of the treatment to soundness on the other side. So this body will reject the one saving treatment, hoping for some magical cure, but there is none. A magical cure that will allow it to continue living as it has in the past. Continue to ingest death, but not die. This body will jump in a mystical, spiritual cure, but jumping at what seems, by jumping at what seems right, it will leap to its death. Idolatry is the name of the seed of the cancer, <clears throat> but it, and from it sprang adultery, all sexual perversion, covetousness, which leads to jealousy, anger, rage, violence, hatred, and chaos. Ignorance a willingness to reject wisdom from man's knowledge, a form of spirituality that rejects a pure God of almighty power. Man becomes his own God, and it ends. I know, I have not shared that with anybody, but God wouldn't have shared it with me if there hadn't been hope. But I think the hope is going to come when the body is willing, you know, so what do we do? We pray. I mean really pray for, for this country to come to its senses, to come to its knees. No revival happens while we're waiting on God. God's waiting on us. God doesn't just pour out a revival. He, he'll, he'll have a revival anytime he wants. But he's waiting on us to want it. So, um, we need to pray like we've never prayed before. Um, okay, so enough of that depressing stuff. Whew, sorry about that. I didn't mean to trash your Merry Christmas. Because Jesus is the hope, you know? Jesus is the hope. And I'll tell you this. No matter what else, before it gets as bad as it's going to get, we're out of here. So, just know that. We're going. We're going to have a great time. But, um, we just need to understand that things are not getting better here. They're getting worse. And the only thing, the only hope is for the church to stand up and pray. The church to stand up and do something about it. And, um, so we need that spirit of prayer to fall on people who know God. I mean, seriously. The spirit of prayer to fall. And um, corporate prayer is very powerful. Corporate prayer is very powerful. 
I will tell you that. Okay, we got 10 minutes, so we're going to move on here because we have other things to do. But um, ugh, I dreaded get going there, and I did not mean to share that, but the Lord just kept. So I'm telling you. Um, and it's probably not worth any more than a dollar to buy a cup of coffee and sheets. But um, I've been sitting on it for two years. Yeah. And, and that bad revelation is just, it seems to just be getting worse. Right. It's just creeping in. But the reason is because the country's not ready for the surgery. But the way the surgery's going to come is with revival. Revival is the surgery. Revival is the surgery. And the flesh is not going to like it because the flesh wants to do its own thing. But revival is the only way that it's going to happen. The Holy Spirit's going to have to fall on this nation. And what is it that's sharper than a two-edged sword that cuts asunder flesh from, you know, flesh from spirit, bone from marrow? It is the Word of God. It is the Word of God. And we need to be lifting it up, praying about it, standing on it. Um, crying out to God for it to happen. Because that's the only way this country's going to get saved. It's not the next president. It's not the next president after that. It's not a pope. It's not anybody. It is the living God. That's our answer. That's the answer. You know. And, and the material body is not going to want the surgery, but that's okay. The spirit man does. And, um, but that's what we're called to do. We're called to pray. We're called to intercede. We're called to take dominion where we are and authority where we are. Shut these demons up and shut this Satan up and, um, you know, allow the Holy Spirit to pour out here. And um, so, yeah, that's what, that's what our job is. And that's why I say I lay most of this at the foot of the church because we just went to sleep. Just went to sleep. So, <clears throat> all right. Moving on, we need to address the beings besides ourselves in the spiritual realm. Because there are other beings. And they're as varied in the spirit realm as they are in the material. Okay? Just like snowflakes. Everybody's different. The Hebrew word for angels is malak. And it means to dispatch a deputy, a messenger, or an ambassador. And in the Greek, it's angelos, which is um, messenger. Okay? They are creatures of pure light. That's all they have. Uh, but you know about light. When it slows down, it can materialize, right? So, they have access to God in individual ways. But they also can cross over and operate in multi-dimensions, including the material realm. And they have the ability to think and to reason and to make decisions and to learn. <clears throat> One thing they don't understand is the salvation of mankind. And uh, scripture says they, they would long to look into that. They want to learn about that. They don't understand that at all.
And whether you're talking good or evil, they all use God's parameters, the strong head of the house, right? And then they have a rank and an order. <clears throat> this is God's plan, okay? And it's listed in Scripture, Ephesians 1, Colossians 1, and 1 Peter. But this is the way they're listed. Archangels. Seraphim. Cherubim. Principalities. Powers, and then you can put in parentheses might in my GHT, might. <clears throat> Thrones, and then in parentheses put authorities. And the last is dominions, the last order and rank listed as dominions. Now, in God's kingdom, that doesn't mean archangels are the most important and dominions are the least important. Now, dominions is a type of angel? It's a, it is a ranking of angels, dominions, right. Yeah, it's a ranking. And they have different purposes. You could say government rulers by dominions if you wanted to. Each has its own ranking and each has its own purpose. And the angels are as varied in each of these categories as they are with human beings. Um, <clears throat> and aside from those, there are an innumerable number of angels that operate, um, you know, under that. So it's not like um, we even know all all of the ranks, all of anything about these angels. They are as infinite as God is infinite. Okay? <clears throat> and Satan used the very same household set to govern. In Ephesians 6, he lists principalities and powers Rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness. So that is Satan's um, ranking for his angels. Okay. This is what we know about God's angels. Okay. They work at God's command to maintain creation. That's what they do. Okay. It's not the only thing they do. But, but that's the key. So, um, John Hagee's book, The Three Heavens, he has a pretty interesting list of, of the way angels work. The first is worship and adore the living God. And that pretty much takes in all the seraphim and all the cherubim. 
cherubim do other things, but I haven't seen anything that say seraphim do anything but worship God. But we'll talk about each one of them in a little bit. Secondly, they minister, sustain, preserve, deliver, intercede, and attend to the righteous before and after death. So they minister to us and for us. They sustain us. They preserve us. They deliver us. They intercede for us. In Matthew, Jesus says, "Angels are before the, our angels are before the face of God. And they attend to us. It's our ignorance that keeps us from being able to tap into that blessing. And that's really not preached a lot. No. It isn't. It isn't. It's interesting. Yeah, but it's... But it's our fault we don't take advantage of that. Right, it seems like of that so deliver. much power. Yes, yes. And they are very much concerned with us. Okay, they are also messengers. They bring announcements, like to Mary. They bring warnings. Like to Joseph, take Jesus and run. They bring encouragement, like to Jesus, after 40 days in the desert. And they bring revelation, like Gabriel, to Mary, like Gabriel to Daniel, talking about the 70 weeks of years for, for Israel. They bring revelation from God. And... <clears throat> The last thing is they are his agents and the executor of his degrees and judgments. They're, his, they're God's agents and the executors or the executors, excuse me, of decrees and judgments of God regarding man. In Revelation when they like to pour out the Yep. Were those, is it in those are angels. Those are the angel those are angels. Out the right. Another angel poured out a vial and this is what happened. Another angel sounded a trumpet and this is what happened. Another angel, you know, then the angels went through the earth and called everybody, you know, warned them what was happening. Yes. Um, <clears throat> that's exactly right. But you see it in Isaiah when Sennacherib, who is the Assyrian, surrounded um, Judah and was going to take Judah out and uh, Hezekiah and Isaiah prayed and God sent one angel and he killed 184,000 of Sennacherib's men in the night. Just killed them, just like that. Just one angel. So, yeah. So, we're going to look at one scripture and then we're going to fold it up. Go to Psalm 103. Psalm 103 Because God is love he desired that his angels would serve him with true arts of loyalty and adoration so he created them with an independent mind and the freedom to choose. Okay? The difference is this 
The ability of angels to think and to choose is limited. You and I do not have a limit on our choice because we are allowed to choose life and death, blessing and cursing. And God made it possible for us to change our minds. Redemption, forgiveness, grace, mercy only belongs to mankind. Only to mankind. The angels were given the freedom to choose but not the right to choose. So when they chose, there is no forgiveness. There's no forgiveness. And no salvation for them. They know their end. We'll look at some of those scriptures tomorrow. Some of them are kind of funny, actually. <clears throat> but look at Psalm 103. Start with verse 20. And we'll read to the end. 23? Yeah, Psalm 103, verse 20. Bless the Lord, you his angels, that excel in strength, that do his commandments, listening to the voice of his word. Bless you the Lord, all you his hosts, you ministers of his, that do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all the works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Some things that we learn, first of all, they are... They excel in strength. Mighty, mighty strength. Superhuman. Supernatural. And they do His commandments. They do His bidding. And this is how they do His bidding. They listen to the voice of His Word. They're not going to they are not going to honor what you say if it isn't the word of God. Many, many times I fear angels have sat with their hands folded while we twisted in the wind. Because they listen only to the word of God. The word of God is his will. You know, they do his commandments. And you and I, when we speak the Word of God, we are the voice of the Word in, the, in this realm, in this material realm. We are the only ones that can give voice to this Word. We are speaking spirits. And so when you and I give voice to the Word in our circumstances or the circumstances of someone else, that's when the angels go to work. Because their job is to fulfill that word in this earth realm. That's why it's important that you learn this word. Um, you need to pray the word. You need to speak the word. Um, it, it is, it's one thing just to pray and ask and pray and ask and pray and ask. But you need to plead your case before God. And the reason you need to give voice to it is because the angels are listening to what you say. Not what you think, not what you're thinking deep down in your heart, but what comes out of your mouth. The voice of that word is what moves the angels. So you need to find the scriptures that line up with the prayers that you need to make. 
Um, these little handwritten prayer books make me crazy. Um, you need to pray from the depth of your being from scriptures that you have gotten revelation from. And you need to speak that word because that's the word that has life in it. That's the word that has life to you in it. And you need to pray the word of God and speak the word of God. That's when the angels can go to work and do the bidding of the Lord. Okay? Whether it's on your behalf or behalf of your family or behalf of anybody else, that's when the angels can do their, bid, do their bidding. Um, it's not that you and I have the authority to command the angels. We don't. But God has commanded the angels to listen to the voice of His Word and to do it. To act on that voice of His Word. God has commanded His angels to do that. He has commanded His angels to protect us wherever we go. To, de to fight and defend us against the attack of the enemy. Against um, the plagues of this world. Against evil. And... Um, <clears throat> They've been pledged to do that by God. They're already commanded to do those things. So they're waiting on us to give voice to that word in this realm so that they can act on our behalf. Um, <clears throat> and mostly we're the ones that thwart it. We're the ones that stop it. You know, by the words of our mouth. Or the lack of the words of our mouth. We might say the problem. We might ask God to work in the problem. We might, um, you know, pray for his wisdom in the problem. We might do all those things. But that will not put the angels to work. What puts the angels to work is this. And this is how we do it. We get in the car to go to Alabama. And we declare as loud as we can... No evil can overtake us, nor any plague come near our dwelling. For you, Lord God, have commanded your angels to protect us wherever we go. We are blessing our going out and blessing our coming in. And we will not be touched. And then we drive. And those angels now have the word of God to defend us and protect us as we go places. And... Um, Otherwise, if you're just saying, oh, Lord, keep your hand on us and traveling cover mercies. us. Traveling mercies. Um, hmm. But but there's a greater salvation than that. There's a greater deliverance than that. What scripture is that that you so often quote and pray? Psalm 91. The come out, coming out and our going in. Deuteronomy 28. And Psalm 91. God answers prayers that aren't prayed to the angels because I've had prayers answered. Yeah, we don't pray to angels. We pray to God. We absolutely do. But but if we... In, and what does God engage. say about prayer in Isaiah? He said, you come before me and plead your case. Yeah. You come with the word of God. You come and plead your case before God with the word of God. And if you go back and you read the prayers of the... If you go back and read Daniel's prayers, if you go back and read... David's prayers. If you go back and read any of the prayers of, you know, in the New Testament, they all pray the word of God. They all pray the word of God before the Lord. Even in Acts, when they get together and pray, 
They're praying the word of God. And um, they don't just... Um, let's see if I can find an example here. It makes me think of, you know, even in our court system today, before you go before the judge, you prepare a petition. And the right. petition speaks the word, the law. It cites the places in the law that supports what you're asking for. Right. And that's right. I've right. often thought that. about. Yes, and that's writing, what God you know, says. But taking the spiritual law. Plead your case. Right. God, God expects faith, okay? He expects a faith to come. But not just faith in your prayers, faith in His Word and in His promises. Um, <clears throat> listen to this. They're praying. Um, this is the group. Okay, so when they heard that, um, <clears throat> talking about um, Peter and John being in jail, um, let's see. No, they had been let go. They prayed. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. Psalms. Who by the mouth of the servant David, Psalms, has said, Why did the heavens rage and the people imagine a vain thing? Psalms. The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together. This is their prayer. Against the Lord and against his Christ. For a truth against the holy child whom you have anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate and the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. For what to do whatsoever your hand and your counsel determined before to be done. Now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant to your servants that with all boldness we may speak that word by stretching forth your hand and healing. That's what, you know, signs and wonders that they may be done in the name of Jesus. And when they prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled. And they were filled with the Holy Ghost. And you read every prayer and you'll find what they did is they went back in Scripture and they found everything and lined it up and prayed the Word and said, Now, Lord, this is what your Word says and we're asking that this be done for us right now. You know. He's not intimidated by that. You're not commanding him to do anything. You know, you're not you're not not being humble. Um, you're being exactly obedient. You know, but we need to know this word. You need to find this scripture. You need to start reading the word and digging it out. Um, I've showed you before my sword of the spirit. I have a notebook, and I've divided it up. You know, by family and health and. Um, my job, I had a whole thing on my job and everything else. And every time I would read scripture, when something jumped off the page at me and God gave me a revelation, like it's my word, I would write it down in that book. Because then it became the sword of light for me. Just to pick up somebody's list, oh God, these books of promises, that doesn't make that your promise until you have the revelation of it. When it's your promise and you have the revelation of it so that it pours out of your mouth all the time, then it's the sword of the Spirit and it has value. Um, and, and yes, you can get those Scripture books. But that's not going to give you power when you pray. Like finding it in the Word and making it yours. When it's yours and you speak that Word out of your mouth... 
with revelation. It's mixed with light. It's mixed with power. It's mixed with your understanding. Then it has authority. And then it's going to work for you. You know, you'll find a greater degree of prayer being answered when you do that. Gracious, what a crazy day this was. Okay. I'll apologize for it. Because it was tough. But, um, Lord, you you know what? You're, You're the guy. You the man. So there it is. You wanted to give us a lot. He wanted to give us a lot to chew on while you're gone. Well, man, I tell you what. Don't leave for so long the next time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness, Lord. Okay. This is it. Let's just pray real quick here. Father, we just come into your presence again. We thank you so much for your word. Thank you, Lord, for filling us up with your word. You are such a glorious God. And Father, I do declare blessings over everybody here and their families. Um, Even those of our class that are not here, I speak the blessings of God over them. That they are blessed and they're going out. Blessed and they're coming in. Blessed and they're lying down. Blessed and they're rising up. Blessed in their fields. Blessed in their animals. Blessed in the fruit of their bodies. Blessed in their children and their children's children. They are blessed in the things that they set their hands to, Father. Thank you so much for that precious blood, Jesus that purchased those blessings for us that we can appropriate them. Lord, we just give you the praise and the glory and I ask that you keep us safe and bring us all back together after the first of the year. We just give you all the praise and the glory for it. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So no Sunday school next week. No Sunday school next week. Next Sunday somebody will be here. Yeah. If anybody wants it, just shout it out there. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.